When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, well, don't dial right this second because every line's taken. We've got a lot of people to talk to. It's going to be Anna, Rich, Rich, I'm sorry, it's going to be Richard first and then Anna, Rich, and Lulu. So, top of the board is Richard. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, sir. Hey, a couple months ago, I built a raised bed out of some reclaimed um, roof metal sheets. Okay. And uh, I used a cedar post uh, four by four to uh, reinforce the structure. Okay. So I, I heard you talk earlier about some of the woods that may be more advantageous to use that don't rot as fast. So mm-hmm. I have that issue to deal with over time. But my question is, I, I neglected a broccoli plant and it started to flower. So I pulled it up <laughs> out of the actual soil uh-huh. and I saw some termites on eating it. It seemed like they were eating away. at like the root ball. And so my question is, I was going to spray out some, uh, some beneficial nematodes because I I hope that they would um, address the termite issue, but wanted to get your thoughts on if that would be an effective route to go. Well, it would be very effective. Uh, beneficial nematodes are the best control out there for uh, your soil tor- termites, which is 99% of what we're going to have here. We do have a few of those Formosan termites around, but that's a whole different issue, and that's not what you're looking at. On the other hand, termites are a natural little cleanup tool that Mother Nature uses to get rid of dead tissue, and our subterranean termites only attack dead tissue. I'm not surprised you found them, but they were probably eating the dead roots on the broccoli plant or other, you know, wood materials in the soil, they, they weren't going after the live roots of the plant. So they weren't really causing any problems. Now, had you just cut the flower spike off the broccoli, you probably could have gotten a little bit more broccoli to eat, but we're past that sure. point now. So we'll deal with that next year. But uh, the, the beneficial nematodes um, will totally control termites and um uh, that's exactly the right thing to do to take care of them. They will cause no other problems. They'll also take care of fire ants and uh, grubs and wireworms and lots of other things that might show up in that new raised bed. So um, if it were mine, yeah, I'd be putting out the beneficial nematode sometime in the next week or two or three. Okay, well, can I ask you this? Because what drove my ten- what drove my attention to like termites being an issue regarding mm-hmm. like eating the cedar on the actual raised bed was I have this water uh, rain catcher barrel that's made out of the same cedar, uh-huh. and I saw that the the bottom leg I put these one inch spacers underneath the the post to create a little clearance from the actual soil for uh-huh. rotting, but yeah. the the leg was eaten out by termites, and so. My mind went to, okay, if it's eating that wood, it's probably going to eat my raised bed wood. So is that the, how can I get around that or should I be worried or would nematodes solve that issue as well? They will, uh, good live beneficial nematodes will take care of termites. And like I say, termites are 
everywhere. Um, they're only a problem if they're eating your rain barrel, your raised bed, your fence, or your house. I mean, if we didn't have termites, uh, the earth would be buried quite deep in dead trees and stumps and things like that. So this is not an unnatural thing. You're just putting out the uh, you're just putting out dinner for them, and they're doing what you would expect them to do. But you can totally control them if you if you use your your nematodes thoroughly it may be years before you see them again chances are at least on your raised bed i like putting out beneficial nematodes every late summer every early spring because there are a lot of things that get into the garden wireworms that can affect your potatoes the larval state uh, of several different beetles which form grubs that damage the roots so i'm going to be periodically this is the one place that i use nematodes prophylactically to prevent a problem rather than than try to control it so i'm not real concerned but when you're treating your garden i'd sure be treating the area around your cedar rain catchment uh anywhere that you have um wood that is attractive to termites and uh, uh the treated woods uh they they still put a poison in them as it were that controls termites and other insects they don't have anything to control rot and that's why this uh treated wood doesn't last uh, the way it used to but it's a good thing because we don't have the bad stuff in the environment um I prefer to use uh wherever I can either a synthetic wood like Trex um yep. which you're probably familiar with cuz termites will never touch that. I'm hoping that we will have a real retail supplier of uh, this uh, super kill-dried wood called EcoVantage. We have a company that supplies builders and, you know, professionals, but not anywhere you can go buy a board or two. But I'll let you know when and if that happens. But uh, this wood is not treated with any chemicals. It's what I built my new greenhouse out of. Uh, It's not cheap. It is super kill-dried, and uh, it bakes all the carbohydrates out of the wood, and that's so, therefore, the termites aren't interested in it. So those are long-term options i'm seeing but in effect since you have uh several structures already in place i'm just going to treat with beneficial nematodes i mean it's probably going to cost you 15 dollars twice a year uh and that's not really a real high price to pay but uh this is an issue that you can certainly control and overcome so you would you would cancel the terminator terminator coming out next week yeah 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 the amount of that you're going to pay those folks is uh you could go over and and you can get um you can now get the trex material in two by fours four by fours bigger structural members as well as regular deck wood you probably have to order it uh, i know the low stores will order anything you want for you any kind of dimensional stuff and uh sure it's going to be a little more expensive but if I were putting if I wanted to put a wood like post down into the ground, that's what I'm gonna do, so termites are never an issue. I appreciate your help. I'll go ahead and cancel the exterminator now. <laughs> I think you're wise. The other thing you can always think about doing, and uh, uh, this is what I've done on some decks and other things that I've built recently, and that is get those uh, those tubes that you can pour concrete into to create a little pillar up out of the ground. That's what I'm using as a structure to rest you know, the the main uh, wall members of my greenhouse and things like that, I, it's, it's actually a couple of inches above ground level, and I just dig the appropriate depth. I'll put one piece of rebar down the middle, and, you know, these are just yellow cardboard tubes that you can cut with a 
saw to whatever length is appropriate. And I like creating, in effect, a little piling that is slightly above ground level. That makes it less attractive to the termites and um, certainly easier to control if they do occur. That makes sense. Well, thanks for your help. Always a pleasure. I always like sharing problems that I have had before when I found a solution to them. Like I said, I think I've made every mistake you can make in the world of gardening and building. So you call me anytime I can help you, Richard. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Anna's turn next. Good morning, Anna. Hey, hi, Bob. How are you this morning? Well, we're going to be just as cold as you are in San Antonio in the 30s. Well, I'm surprised you're not colder. I looked at Pinedale, Wyoming, and it was 10 degrees this morning. So um, I'm sure you miss Texas a little bit when the weather's like that. Only when it gets to be a a minus 18 degree chill factor. Um, Yeah, I'm with you there. (laughs) So what's going on I can help you with today? I got several things for you. Uh, One is... My desert rose is probably 10 years old, and it. the more you talk about girdling roots, the more I wonder if desert rose girdling roots are going to be an issue. Very unlikely. Um, I mean, when you repot it, um, old plant like that, you might, you know, take a little stream of water and just kind of wash the soil away from the base, uh, since it does, in effect, have a trunk if you see you know, anything that looks like a girdling root, just a little surgical slice in there will stop it. But uh, I've dealt with a lot of people that have grown desert roses for a long time, and I I doubt very much uh, that it's going to be an issue you face, but I'm not going to totally rule rule it out. It could happen. And just when you're repotting, I mean, middle of the summer when it's good and hot, not going to hurt a thing to wash an inch of soil away from the base of that plant and see if you've got anything going on there. Okay, because I've got a lot that's above the ground, mm-hmm. and it looks like they're, at, you know, some of them are at least an inch around, and they're they're doing a 90 degree across the, the rest of the trunk. But see, here's the thing about most, and, uh, you know, desert rose is, I guess you'd call it a succulent rather than a cactus, but it is a plant with a very fleshy stem and trunk, and in many cases, uh, where that, that root is in close contact with another root or with the stem, they will simply fuse together and continue to grow. Whereas on a woody tree or shrub that has a bark-like material on top of a true cambium layer, uh, girdling roots can be a real issue. But I, uh, and, and again, I'd have to do a little anatomy and dissection to tell, but I suspect on your desert rose, the adenium genus, uh, I think you're going to find that a circling root would just uh, fuse to the tissue underneath, and although it might cause a little weaker place structurally, I don't think that's going to be a problem, and I don't think you would ever, you know, have the, you know, the severe consequences you would have with a woody stem plant. Okay, great. I'm going to leave it alone because it does give it a lot of character. Oh yeah, absolutely. My next thing is is that I'm interested in growing sweet potatoes this year. And when I was cruising through the nurseries here in Ohio, the not the box stores, they had like a, a bundle of a hundred what looks like the top of the what what would grow from an eye. Mm-hmm. None of it was connected to the real potato. Is that how those are? are yeah, grown? those are called slips. I can't imagine buying a hundred of them unless you are uh, real serious about growing sweet potatoes. I grow sweet potatoes in uh, a raised, one of these things they call a big bag bed, 
weighs almost nothing. It's just a fabric that lasts for several years that I can then fill with soil because then I don't have to go halfway across my garden trying to find the tubers. Um, I know exactly where to go looking for my sweet potatoes, and I think you'll be very successful with that in Ohio. And you can either buy uh, the little starts, the slips as they call them, or, of course, you can just get a viable potato uh, suspend it with toothpicks in a jar of water and grow your own slips that you, you know, with a, with something sharp, just excise away from the potato and plant yourself. But uh, I'd like to say I can't imagine buying a hundred of them, but maybe if you've got two or three gardening friends, you could go buy a bundle and divide them among yourselves. Yeah, that may be the thing to do um, or just get me some potatoes, like you said. But then I just, I cut cut the whole piece out but without leaving as much potato as you would uh allow to callus uh yeah you would you just make a little kind of a little v-shaped wedge and if you want to be a hundred percent successful uh you can root that in perlite before you put into the soil but most people just plant directly into the soil what you're getting when you buy the slips is a nice little pre-rooted cutting which is just an easier way to go okay and then each eye would be one plant um, each little sprout that comes from the eye, you're not taking them out until that sprouts four or five inches long and has leaves all over it. Uh, okay. And yes, each one of those will make one plant. And unlike your other potatoes, which always form right at the base of the plant per se, uh, your sweet potato is basically a big vine, and those tubers can form 10 feet away from the mother plant. They're not all, you know, up in a real convenient, easy area to find them. Okay, that's just understand what you're getting into here anna it's a great thing and i love sweet potatoes but uh they are different from anything that you've ever grown before okay i'll keep hunting what can you tell me about growing fennel for bulb um you know uh it it just a sunny area it's going to make a plant that's going to get about four feet tall uh, treat it just like you would most any other herb. I mean, if you drive around California, and I know you have family in that part of the world, you see it growing wild up and down the roadsides in uh, central and northern California. So try to imitate those convi- conditions, and you can grow the green fennel or the bronze, fen- bronze fennel very successfully. Okay, very good, because it's very expensive here to buy the bulbs in the store to eat. Right. Well, they're easy to grow. You just need to probably start them inside early and then transfer them to the garden whenever you're past danger of frost. And uh, by fall, you should be able to have uh, a nice bulb. Okay, very good. Thank you. I appreciate it. Good to hear from you. <laughs> you bundle up and stay warm. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Thanks, Anna. Bye. All right, back to gardening, back to the phone lines. going to be Rich, Lulu, Esther, and Jimmy. And Rich is up first. Good morning, Rich. Hey, thank you, Dr. Bob. Thank um, you for calling. I've got a few different topics I'd like you to touch on. Can I mention each one so oh. we don't forget one? Okay. Uh, I've got some baby fig trees. It's their first winter out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're black and don't look too good. Another is uh, a, a reflecting shade cloth for the greenhouse you talked about could save you 10 degrees. Right. And another is going to be a colossal mistake I made with my tomato jungle. Okay. How about the figs? They turn black. Uh, should I snip the 
New growth is coming from the base. Should I be right. snipping off? That no, no, just it? just leave it. Uh, we don't know. A lot of figs got a little bit of freeze damage, but figs are not grafted. So those sprouts that come out from the base are the fig that you want to grow. And figs grow best as a big bush. I don't recommend fig trees because they're very weak wooded. If you tried to make a tree out of it, the weather probably would beat it up uh, first time we get a real thunderstorm. So uh, don't worry about your figs. Uh, if they've got good new green growth coming out, it's going to just explode into growth as it gets warmer. Just water and fertilize and uh, wait for some figs. And leave the main stem. Don't snip it, huh? I would wait because it may sprout out further up the stem. If it hasn't sprouted out, you know, by the 1st of June, then you can go ahead and cut it back if you like. But I suspect that by that time, you're going to have so much new growth, you're not really going to pay any attention to where it's there or not. Snipping it out would only be cosmetic, and it might be limiting where all you would get growth. So I would hold off on, on doing any real pruning on it at this point. Oh, good. Uh... How about the, what do you call that reflecting cloth? It is called Illuminet, A-L-U-M-I-N-E-T. I don't know anyone that sells it locally. I bought mine online over the Internet. If you want to try, if anybody in San Antonio has Illuminet in stock, it would be uh, greenhouses, etc., Northeast side of San Antonio on Topper Parkway out off Topper Wine Road. Tommy has the best greenhouse supplies of anybody around, but I I haven't heard that he has it in stock. Give him a call if you like, or like I say, you, there, there are a bunch of different companies that sell it on the Internet. I picked a company that would sew in the grommets and sew the tape on the edge so that it doesn't unravel. Um, and uh, it'll look a lot cheaper if they're said just selling you a piece of it, but I want something that's all ready to put up, uh, sewn with grommets, and it was still very, very inexpensive comparatively, and I've been very pleased with it. Uh, ordinary shade cloth probably lasts 20 years. This stuff's probably going to last 10 years. If it only lasts three or four, I'll feel like I've got my money's worth out of it. Yeah, uh, thanks. Another thing is, the shopping channel was talking about this ultrasonic sound. I wonder if I could keep the skunks and things out of the, from under the house. It is uh, the ultrasonic uh, sound repeller, so to speak. Uh, they are what you would call line of sight. Uh, sound doesn't go around corners very well. Ultrasonic sound doesn't. Underneath a, a home where you've got your pilings, uh, you've got your piers supporting things, it's not going to be really effective. It's very effective in a big open room. It can be very effective in a big open attic. But when I am down working on plumbing and things underneath my house, I don't think it'd be practical because there are too many pillars, too many pilings that would break up the sound pattern. So, I mean, you can give it a try, but that's not really what it's designed for. It's designed for a big, wide-open area. Yeah, so it really wouldn't work that well if I say I had, for instance, uh, some of those big red ants in the wall. It doesn't work on ants at all. It, it works on things with eardrums, and that's going to be rats and mice and possums and puppy dogs. Um, but the ultrasonic thing's not going not gonna to do anything for the ants. The ants you're probably going to spray with a spinosad product, and that's a very effective ant killer, but uh, um, not going to be anything electronic for ant control. Oh, thank you for that. That's not what they were uh, 
saying about their product at all. Well, they want to sell you something. <laughs> it's amazing the things you can hear from somebody that has something they want to sell you. I've I've never seen. Uh, there's just no physical way um, that, you know, an, an animal that doesn't hear or a creature, we can't call an ant an animal, uh, but a creature that has no way to hear uh, unless it was something creating such massive vibrations, I think would probably bother you and your pets. I just don't see how uh, uh, how that would deter ants. And believe me, if it worked that well, everybody in the country would be using it. So in this case, I think it's buyer beware and spin a sad for me. They almost had me. I appreciate that. <laughs> Spend the money on that aluminum shade cloth instead. It'll give you good results. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, Anna mentioned sweet potatoes. I'm glad she mentioned that. I have a bunch of um, perlite, what do you call I wonder if I uh, put per- half perlite in my garden box, would that help the sweet potatoes to develop? It's a good thing to start your sweet potato cuttings in, but I would never blend perlite into the soil. It floats, and the first big rain, it'll all be down at your fence or in your neighbor's property. I, I don't like perlite in the garden but i use it in the greenhouse all the time yeah i've I made uh raised beds out of plywood uh and lined it with plastic i got a good system and uh heck they're lasting five years for me that sounds like you've got you you've got it figured out in your situation rich yeah you rip a two by four and you put a two by two and you use the crown on it to uh-huh. curve to hold the sides in you can even put a piece of wire across the middle mm-hmm. and then i lift I the corners up with a block of wood or a rock or something, and uh, you take a bisqueen and line the sides so that they don't get wet. Of course, I put some latex paint on it first, and they last. Well, it's uh, there are many different systems, and uh, different systems work for different people. It sounds like you're a pretty clever guy, and you've got you've got the one figured out that works for you. So uh, get out and enjoy this Sunday, and um, let me get a quick. What's that? I got one more thing, please, sir. Okay. I have a greenhouse, 24 by 24, and I had a tomato jungle in there. Uh huh. And I got the bright idea of transplanting them out, which I did. I made a trench and transplanted them out. And I'm sorry I did that because that's not a good idea. They they look like an old wash rag hanging out there now. Well, if you laid that that stem down in a trench and it sounds like they're indeterminate tomatoes, they're going to sprout out from the base and you're probably going to get pretty good tomato production. Uh, They just, you know, it's going to take them a while. That soil is going to have to warm up before they start sprouting and growing. But I don't think you necessarily did a bad thing. They're going to sprout roots all the way up and down that stem and then probably somewhere near the base they're going to start branching and putting on new growth so let's don't give up on them for six six weeks or so all right let's get back to gardening and back to the phone lines uh it is lulu's turn good morning lulu good morning good morning i am out here planting in the yard and i don't know for a while i've been using this concoction in a five gallon bucket okay it has i have really um well, basically, it's like clay soil. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been using Garrett Juice and Medina Plus and put some mycorrhizal in there. Okay. And um, Garrett, oh, I already said that. Anyway, I use about a tablespoon of each of those and fill up the bucket, and then I soak the plants in it. And 
I'm trying to loosen this up, and I, I use compost, revitalizer compost. Mm-hmm. Is it okay for me to throw lava sand into the hole, or should I just put it on top? Or what? You do whatever works well for you. I think the one thing you can drop out of that is the mycorrhizal fungi. I don't, I don't think you're getting good value there. I love mycorrhizal mm-hmm. fungus, but I would use it more in my specific planting areas because that that germinating fungus spore or propagule as they call it on mycorrhizal fungi has to contact a root very quickly within two or three days or it can't survive because it has to get things from the roots while it gives things back but i like your idea of combining garret juice uh, along with the medina plus if I were going to add things that would speed up the process, I'd think about adding some uh, liquid molasses to it. And, oh, yeah, uh, I'd use that, too. Yeah. yeah I, you're, <laughs> I'm using everything. Now all you need is a bunch of patience because that soil didn't get rock hard overnight, and unfortunately, it's going to take a little time for all that good microbial activity to really kick in. Your soil's going to be better tomorrow. It's going to be better a year from now, and it's going to be great 10 years from now. But uh, the lava sand... Um, either put it in the bottom of the hole, put it on the surface. Uh, it's going to gradually get blended in as you plant. So you use it wherever it's convenient for Lulu. You can't really go okay. wrong with it. And there's one other thing. Um, the old English sheepdog in the backyard has found the patch where the weeds smell like mustard. It's awful. And uh-huh. she likes to roll in it. Oh, good. So, yeah. Welcome to, yeah, welcome to having a dog. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, so anyway, I wanted to, it's not a large patch, but I wanted to put down, um, St. Augustine. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to, you know, mow it and whack it down as far as I can. Do I need to like scrape it off or something before I lay down some St. Augustine or do you, I, you I want, don't want to turn over the dirt because right. of the weeds. You you want this the you know soil on the bottom of your new pieces of St. Augustine needs to come in contact with the soil that's underneath those weeds. So uh-huh. um I don't know about scraping it. In this case, I would probably be out there either with my grubbing hoe or my push-pull hoe rather than mowing off that stuff and, you know, creating a big layer of material underneath. I'm going to kind of try to chop it at ground level and pull it out in bigger pieces and throw it in the compost pile. Now, soil doesn't have to be beautifully clear and clean and see nothing but soil, but a substantial percentage of that root area needs to come in contact with the soil underneath. That's why it's so important that we press that new sod down very firmly. So um, scrape it, no, get it a little cleaner, yes. Great. All right, that's it. Good questions. You stay warm out there today. Thank you. Thank you, Lulu. And we'll talk again. Bye. Bye. Esther, down in Port Lavaca, good morning. Good morning, Mr. Bob. How are you? I'm good. I'm looking at the radar, and looks like you might, guys might be getting a little bit of rain down that way, you lucky people. I wish you'd send some yes. of it our way. Yes, we had some rain. Good. It rained not too much, just a little bit. It already stopped, and the wind is taking over. Uh, Mr. Bob, I called you last time, and I had a very huge yard. I have an acre and a half of the front yard, uh-huh. which is a circular driveway. We planted new St. Augustine, mm-hmm. and, of course, we have established... St. Augustine, but we had a problem. Um, we had chintz bugs and grubs. Okay. And I didn't even know. 
So we tried to kill him. Um, I went to, what's her name, Victoria, the nursery, and she gave me some stuff. It didn't really help for two years. This is going on now for four years. We're trying to kill the grubs. And well, in the back of my yard, I have little scales, like little snail things. I step on them all the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think you had recommended, I don't know, was it you that recommended or was it the nursery? Somebody said seven granules. Oh, no, seven is a toxic poison. I would not want to be using around the coast or anywhere else. For your slugs and snails, there is a very effective non-toxic product, which is called Sluggo, S-L-U-G-G-O, Sluggo Plus. Oh, I did buy that. Yeah, that will take care of your snails and slugs. Now, remember, some snails are good, some of them are bad. But I think the grubs and the chinch bugs are a more serious problem, and I would be using the live beneficial nematodes uh, because they will totally control both of those issues. Now, timing is important. You need to be watching for when you see the June bugs because they are the things that lay the eggs for those grub worms, and that's about the time you want to put the uh, beneficial nematodes out. But uh, they will totally control grub worms, and they'll do a real good job against the uh, chinch bugs as well. But timing is important. It's important that you get that the live form that comes on that little blue sponge, and uh, Earthworks should be able to get them for you. If not, they can put you in touch with the folks up in Colorado Springs that produce them, and they can probably get them together and actually ship them to you. But beneficial nematodes should totally solve your problems with the grubs and the chinch bugs. Mr. Bob, I did that about seven years ago, uh-huh. six years ago, and I didn't know, and then remember, I do not remember, but my whole lawn just died. It was beautiful and green, and then you could see it, when you walked in it, it was like crushing paper, mm-hmm. and three quarters of the, of the St. Augustine grass just died. You could pick it up by hand. Right. I mean, just from the root on up, it was dry, so they didn't help. Well, you you could have put them on too late, Esther, or uh, the problem is you kill off everything that's there, but the next year you can have a new flight of June bugs come in from your neighbor's yard. There, there's right. no one, you know, there's nothing you can do down that's going to be a permanent solution to the problem. And unfortunately, if you wait until you see the damage, there's already a huge amount of damage. What I always tell people to do is watch for the June bugs. When you see the June bugs, put the beneficial nematodes out at that time, and uh, they will stop you from ever having the damage. But by the time the damage shows up, you've already got a pretty serious problem going. But uh, um, I just I, I know there are toxic things people put down, diazinon. I didn't even know 7 was still on the market. That's so hard on... Uh, you know, birds and so many other things. But uh, my choice would be to use the beneficial nematodes, but the timing is very important as far as being able to control the problem. Well, last year I saw the, the June bugs already at the end of March. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that so, used to be easy because they called them June bugs because they always showed up in June. Um, some years they show up as early as March. They did last year. I've seen yeah. them show up as late as July or even August, but... Uh, that's uh, every year may be different as far as the time that you need to put them out. Right. Okay, good to know. Then I have a big question. We have the new St. Augustine, which is now since uh, October. Okay. And it does a good job. And 
then we have the old St. Augustine, some of it is still healthy. Uh-huh. When and how and with what do I really fertilize it? I got four sacks of organic fertilizer. Mm-hmm. Last year, you said after the second cutting. Oh, no. You can put it on any time you want, Esther. I'd, I'd go ahead and put it on as soon as possible. Uh, the timing with chemical fertilizers is very important. The timing with organic fertilizers, you do it when it's convenient for you. Your grass is starting to grow. Your grass roots are starting to grow. So I would put it out as soon as you can. And remember, with the organics, you don't have to water it in. There's no worrying about if there's moisture and things. You just put it out and let Mother Nature take care of it. And I'd do that as, as soon as it's convenient for you to do so. But in the middle of the front lawn, in the very middle where there's a big area of the front lawn, I have like three angels. Um, there are also there's like weeds growing. Can I use something to kill those weeds? Or uh, you probably just mow them off. Most of the weeds we see this time of year are going to die as soon as it gets hot. Um, I, if you wanted to spray something to kill them off, you could use vinegar and orange oil, but I don't think it's necessary. I think if you just mow them off, they're going to die out very quickly anyway. I have lots of dandelion, and uh, yeah. they call it a Johnson grass. Uh, Johnson grass will die if you mow it regularly. Johnson grass has to grow tall in order to survive. If you mow it off every time it gets six inches tall, um, in a very short period of time, it'll stop coming back at all. I see. In the back of the house and by the water, by the Mexican Gulf, and the new little bunches of, I don't know what they are, they look like tiny little trees. When you, and when they're dry, they're really hard on your hands. You need gloves to pull them up. They like to pinch you. I don't know what they are. They look like tiny little Christmas trees in a clump. Mm. Can I do that with uh, vinegar and orange oil? You certainly can, but now you want to keep it off your grass. But if it's in a, a bare area, that would be a good place to start. I'd like you to take a couple of those little things over to Earthworks sometime and find out what they are, and then I can be a little bit more specific. But, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, the, uh, the vinegar and orange oil would be a good, a good place to go. Good morning, Jimmy. Uh, good morning, Bob. Can you yep. hear me? I hear you just fine, sir. Okay, uh, the reason I called was I wanted to ask you about some of that black cow compost. Right. And I'm going to go ahead and put it around my trees and my, uh, uh, what is it, uh, uh, around the flower bed, whatever. Okay. Now, do I loosen up Do I loosen up the dirt before I put it on? No, I just put it on the surface and water. Um, all the things that are in, the good stuff that is in the uh, compost will just filter down it'll start improving the soil underneath the nitrogen the fertilizer components of it will be carried down into the soil where the roots get there so uh if you loosen up the soil you're just uh hurting roots and encouraging weeds i just put it on the surface and water okay now uh as soon as i put it on do i put some water over it or or there's no rush some water no, there's no rush. Uh, it won't really go to work until it's watered, but it's not going to burn either. So you put it on when it's convenient. You water when it's convenient. Using organic products is is a lot easier than using that synthetic chemical stuff. Okay. Uh, the other question is, whenever I uh, I throw some at uh, what do you call it for the uh, for the ants, that granite, uh, do uh, if it rains or if it gets wet, does that does that dilute the, the uh, what do you call it? The, the, now, are you using the dry molasses, or are you using the uh, come-and-get-it bait? I'm getting the one that came in the bag. 
Well, they both uh, come in a bag. Uh, for the fire ants. I mean, it's for the ants. Okay, that is probably the come and get it, and um, you should put it out when it's going to be dry for 24 hours or so. The ant put it out either early in the morning or late in the evening. We want to put it out when it's active, because uh, when the ants are active, because they're actually going to pick it up, take it down into the mound, and feed it to the queen, and that's how it wipes out the mound. So um if you put it out and it stays dry for you know even half a day then ants are probably going to pick it up take it away anything that gets rained on will lose its efficiency but by that time the ants have probably already gotten into it so try to just put it out when we're going to go for several hours without rain and then you'll be just fine one more question is uh on those uh potato peels and and uh you know banana peels and all that sure do I do I put them out in the sun so they can dry up a little bit and then cut them up and then put them in the ground or what? I don't think it makes a lot of a difference. Uh, if you want to put them directly into the ground, you can you can throw them into a blender and chop them up a little bit. Um, if you just put them out in the sun, they're gonna shrivel and. You know, just kind of the dogs will pick them up and things like that. I tend to throw them in the compost for a while rather than put them directly in the garden or on the ground. If we're going to put them directly in the garden or on the ground, I'd chop them up a bit before I put them out. But I'd sure do it before they really dry out because they get pretty hard and pretty tough if you let them get dry first. So chop them up a bit while they're still green. Okay. One more question is I was told that whenever you plant a new tree, Get a newspaper or get a, 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 a what is it, a piece of PVC or, or a plastic hose and hit it all the way around the, the, the trunk. Is that would that help the tree at all? That is uh, an old tradition. I've never really been able to tell whether it helps or not. Long as you don't hit it too hard, and I'd use a newspaper. I wouldn't use pipe because you'd actually bruise uh, the the bark of the tree if you use something hard like PVC pipe. But uh, that's uh, that's an old uh, old tradition, and I'm afraid I'm not smart enough to know whether it really works or not. But uh, give it a try. Certainly won't hurt anything. And well, yeah, my mom told me about it. And I said, okay, I'll try it, and and I don't know whether it worked or not. I mean, you know, so if the tree's was, growing, that, then that's the best indication. Yes, it is. Okay, sir. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank Appreciate you. the call. Uh, Alice, we'll finish up with you today. Good morning. Good morning. I just wanted to know: is it the grubs that cause the brown spots in a in a in the yard? Grubs can cause brown spots. Um, brown patch fungus can call browns can cause brown spots. Uh, puppy dogs going to the bathroom there can cause brown spots. There are a lot of different things that can cause brown spots. Um, but grubs are a very common problem. Unfortunately, well, the way the grubs work, the uh, June bug lays the egg, the grub worms cut the roots, and they can cut an awful lot of roots before the grass starts to turn brown. So by the time you see the damage, uh, it's probably going to get a lot worse before it gets better. But uh, um, you can generally tell if you went out and you lifted up on that brown grass, if it lifts away from the soil, that means the roots have been cut, and that means that probably grub worms were to blame. Now, the grub worms that did the damage are long gone. What you need to be doing is watch your porch light, and when you see new June bugs show up, they're going to be the ones going out and laying the eggs to make more grubs. So at the time you see June bugs, put out beneficial nematodes, and they will kill the grubs before they can do any damage. 
what about an archivita tree? Is it too? Uh, is it a good time to trim it now? I have a friend who has one. Well, they are a hard tree to trim. Arborvita sort of has its own shape, and my grandparents had them around their yard. I never found a way to trim them that made them look nice. You just always kind of butcher them up a little bit when you prune them. So if they have to be pruned, this would be the time of year to do it. But in general, don't prune them unless they're just too big or in the way or something because it just really ruins the shape of them. They don't have to be pruned at all. All right. Well, one more thing. Uh can you give me a formula or what you use for your bag beds? Uh, for the raised bed, the the so-called bag beds, are you looking for the soil to put in it? or? Um, okay, I, I just use basically I'll take just a garden soil and add about one-third compost, two-thirds garden soil, and that grows things really well. 